0: Welcome to the Career Zone podcast, where each episode we spend some time focusing on something that's on students' minds right now. I'm your host, Rachel, employability and careers consultant with the University of Exeter. You can catch up on all of our episodes by doing all of those subscribing and following things. We're on Spotify and iTunes. Hello, everyone. My name is Rachel, and I'm an employability and placements advisor. Today, I'm joined by Amy Matthews. Amy studied English at the university's Penring campus and graduated in 2017. She is a comedian and writer and is featured in a number of programmes including the BAFTA award-winning Scott Squad and Breaking the News. Amy has performed at comedy clubs all over the UK and Ireland and won Best Newcomer at the Scottish Comedy Awards 2019. Thank you so much for joining us today Amy. My pleasure, lovely to be here. Reading through your bio and achievements, it's quite amazing to think about how much you've packed into your career since leaving university only five years ago. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your path from university to where you are now.
1: Yeah, of course. It was all an accident. (laughs) I think it's the the first thing to mention. Yeah, I graduated in 2017 from Exeter and went straight to Edinburgh to do my master's. And whilst I was there, I tried stand-up for the first time. Um, I had a friend say, I think you should give it a go and did. And then I thought, what better way to try stand-up for the first time than in a city where absolutely nobody knows me. So I did that. And then it sort of snowballed from there, really. And because I left Exeter and semi-Edinburgh wanting probably to go into publishing or something. And so this really came quite left field. I had absolutely no intention of going into performing in any way. So I essentially did did a gig when I was in Edinburgh, uh, really enjoyed it. And then it as I say snowballed from there. I people talk about getting a sort of stand-up bug you do it once and then you want to sort of keep doing doing it and that's essentially what happened and then it, it got wildly out of hand to the point where it became my job and then stand-up is one of those things where you never really do it in isolation it sort of spawns other things whether that is you know broadcasting, acting, hosting, um, the, Podcasting, you know, it can be it can do so many different things. So as a result of that got into uh, writing, etc, as well. So yeah, it's become this really strange, multifaceted, interesting and mad job that I never saw coming. But here we are.
0: That's really amazing to hear and kind of how that sort of changed for you since leaving university mm. five years ago. And thinking and whisking you back to your time at university mm. now and thinking about the skills, experience and knowledge that you gained throughout your degree. How did that prepare you for your current career?
1: Well, it's sort of it's a sort of a hack joke for people to say, you know, if, if you're like, oh, I'm a stand up. Um, they go, oh, well, you know, but you're glad you Spent five years at university then, as, as if, you know, that's, uh, as if that was a waste of time. When actually, when I think about it, so much of what you learn in an English degree is about writing or uh, well, analysing first and foremost, and then writing to convince, you know, preparing, a, a, essentially analysing a piece of text, gathering your thoughts On that piece of text, then working out how you want to present your ideas on that to an audience or a reader, and then uh, formulating that in a way that is convincing. And if you break down those steps, that's what observational comedy is. So, you you know, you're analysing a situation, a thing, an aspect of life, working out what your thoughts are on it, formulating your ideas in a way where you're writing to convince somebody that that's funny and then presenting that and communicating that in a, in a streamlined way. So, you know, as much as people go, oh, you know, I'm sure that was incredibly helpful in like a sarcastic way. It sort of was and is. I think the skill sets overlap more heavily than people give, <laughs> give it credit for. So certainly learning how to observe and analyse something is the absolute foundation of, of what comedy is, and then formulating a way to communicate those ideas in an effective way to a specific purpose that is writing comedy. So it's just, you know, my the purpose is no longer to convince a professor that, like research that I've found hasn't been plucked from nowhere, it's now convincing you know stag do's in Cardiff that something I've got to say is funny.
0: That's a really interesting reflection and I think sort of carrying on from talking about skills I'd also like to talk to you about your work in the context of entrepreneurialism and Mm. entrepreneurial thinking as well. So as a comedian and writer are you responsible for marketing yourself and building your brand and if so how have you achieved this?
1: So you are definitely well certainly when you start out you are a one-man band and actually writing and performing comedy is about 10% of what you actually do the rest of it is admin it's getting gigs it's selling yourself to promoters it's traveling to gigs it's doing the admin around traveling to gigs it's a lot of really boring stuff actually (laughs) So sort of learning how to do that is is really important. And then what tends to happen is, so for example, I, I now have a very brilliant agent who does a lot of that for me now, but that doesn't mean that I am no longer responsible for my own branding, if you like, that is a, that is an important aspect of what I do. Obviously, social media is now a big part of that. I've set, I've changed my relationship with social media, I would say, in the last year because I think there was definitely a time where I was using it quite relentlessly to push like an idea of what my sort of comedy I don't want to say persona because that sounds more clinical than because w- w- I don't have a separate social media for my for me and my uh, sort of stand up self because they are two slightly different things and um, I have the same social media profiles for both so it's not quite as cynical as a persona online but you do have to sort of think about how you know there's there's going to be people following me on social media that have seen me at a gig and now more so than ever audiences want to feel want to have a parasocial relationship with the like entertainment that they consume so they sort of want to feel like they know a version of you and i suppose you have to curate to a degree what you put online When it comes to things like the Edinburgh Fringe, and if people aren't familiar, it's like the biggest arts festival in Europe, certainly, if not in the world, that is dominated by comedy. And a lot of people, when they take a show up, take a a PR um, company or person to do their PR and their sort of marketing. I didn't. And I think we're seeing a shift away from that in comedy because essentially it's kind of... (laughs) there's been a movement into a much more kind of punk self-made way of of marketing yourself online people now can you know clip up their own stand-up clips and put it online and curate their own following and generate their own following um if you've got a podcast that is a a ready-made audience for yourself so it's going to be interesting in the coming sort of weeks months years to see how that that sort of self-made online curation of an audience to see what that does to how relevant and important pr companies are to to comedians obviously that's quite comedy specific but but yeah as far as personal branding goes i think you do have to be yeah aware of what your your brand is and in, as a stand-up as well that's quite odd to think about because your act and yourself are so intrinsically linked so you sort of have to check yourself quite a lot Be like, actually what's where does like my authentic self stop and start and my comedic brand begin because I think it can get quite mucky.
0: I Amy, mean, networking is a key career skill that we encourage our students to explore. Mm. How have you developed and used your
1: networking skills throughout your career so far? So, so yeah, networking absolutely is does exist and it's important in this job it's just conducted in a slightly odd way (laughs) um, in that it's yeah it's never like a networking event it just sort of happens as a byproduct of I suppose being in green rooms and going for meetings with producers or promoters and it's sort of spreading I suppose organically that way and because people have fingers in different pies stuff happens by accident as a result so so for example I'm working on a sitcom pilot is in development with a company and the person who runs that company also books a comedy club so as a result i've been booked at their comedy club and they also run a festival and then have been booked at their festival as a result of you know building that relationship so yes networking exists and is important it just comes about in a slightly less formal way than i think like I know when I would hear the word networking, I'd think of, um, yeah, sort of swilling wine in a conference centre. And it's as much as that exists in certain fields. In my one, it just looks very different. It looks like swilling wine at three o'clock in the morning in a green room. You know, it's it's just slightly it's a slightly different thing, but it's still it's still networking.
0: I'd like to talk to you a bit about resilience at this point, which is Mm. another really important skill for graduates to have as they begin their careers. If you come across obstacles and setbacks in your work, firstly, how do you manage these and what gives you the strength to manage adversity and uncertainty? So
1: I think one thing that has always helped me is that the stakes of what I do are very different to somebody who said like my bad day at work is not the same as a surgeon's bad day at work (laughs) so I think perspective is helpful that said I think sometimes that argument can be used to like invalidate a lot of feelings you know like the whole someone's always got it worse than you situation it isn't always helpful when you do feel bad but I think Perspective can help certainly in hindsight it doesn't always help in the moment, and actually, it's kind of healthy to feel the sadness of rejection and just sit with it and go actually this this sucks, this makes me feel bad and sad, and you've sort of got to feel those things in order for like once you come out of that, that's what motivates you you know that's it also is usually what makes you feel more equipped to deal with it the next time it happens because it will happen it always does, and rejection is absolutely interwoven in performance or writing actually as well. You know, you uh, for every one thing you get, you've been rejected five, six, seven or eight times from somewhere or someone else. And I think for me as well, the other thing that I think is helpful to think about in those situations is that it's actually rarely personal. It's rarely because you've done a subpar job it's usually that either somebody else was just perfect for that thing or you just weren't quite what that person was looking for or not quite what, you know, that channel needed. It's rarely, about, it's rarely a comment on your ability. It's usually a, about a lot <laughs> external factors that you have no control over. So I think there's something liberating about realising that. But also... I think having a support network is so important and working out what that support network looks like to you. So during the fringe, I had, I had a a horrible day during the middle of the fringe where I'd I'd had a sort of uh, find you only ever feel as good as your last show during the fringe. And I'd had a sort of quite tepid show and then a review that I think had like upset me. And then there was something else that day. And I was, Five minutes before going on stage for my show that day, I I was that close to just running into the hills and going I I cannot do this I'm exhausted and vulnerable and sad and um, you know it, it, it was a really really difficult moment and I remember texting my agent and going I I want to I want to run into a field I don't think I can do this. And she, I remember her being like, this is a wobble, like acknowledge the fact this is a wobble. This isn't, you know, this isn't how you actually feel. (laughs) This is your, you know, you responding to something. And she was absolutely right. And I think making sure you have a professional and personal support network is invaluable and knowing knowing who those people are, knowing who the people are who can build your confidence, who can give you whose opinions you trust. And uh, I think, yeah, knowing who those people are and being demanding of them when you need them is really important in any kind of or any job, to be honest, but it's certainly in any creative industry.
0: Amy I remember reading a while ago an article you had written about working as a woman in comedy Hmm. have you felt like you've experienced any particular challenges as a woman in this field?
1: Definitely but only the ones that you know every other woman experiences in every other job in the world (laughs) okay they, they might look slightly different context dependent but I think one of the ones maybe that's I find really interesting and this is going to sound not like a this is going to sound positive when I start talking about this and I'll explain why it's not. (laughs) One of the most common compliments I get from audience members is you well one they only ever compare me to other women they've seen (laughs) so they'll be like oh my god you're um that's there'll be something like oh you're just as funny as Catherine Ryan or you're just as funny as Sarah Millican as okay well we you know we're not a genre (laughs) um uh, you know those those two women that you've just used as sort of pop cultural touch points are wildly different in their like performance style and actually both of them wildly different to what I do on stage. So what you've done is is acknowledged the first thing that you think I've got, in co- or the most noticeable thing to you that I've got in common with those people. The only other thing that I would say is different for women, and again, this isn't really, this is the same as every other job and just living life, is the things that I have to think about when booking gigs are not the things my male counterparts have to think about. I have to think about whether I can afford, like, can I... Factor in a taxi to the venue, because I I don't know if I want to walk there, because I I leave a gig at midnight, you know th- those kind of things, or making sure the hotel I'm staying in makes me feel safe. So there there are absolutely things that crop up that you know are things that I would have to think about because. Of my gender that maybe you know a cis man might not have to, but a lot of them are shared with you know a woman working in any other line of work. Um, They just they just present slightly differently in the context that I work in.
0: Amy, I have one last question for you Mm. today. Thank you so much for joining us. Just to finish, I'd love to know what advice you would give to students or graduates looking to go into creative careers.
1: Know that you deserve to be paid for what you're doing. <laughs> uh, and that is, uh, you know, particularly if you, I think culturally we struggle to go, I need money for the work that the time doing. for some reason that's awkward or weird when, you know, that really is the bare minimum. I think making sure that you're being paid for the work you're doing is important. And you, actually, so when I was at Exeter, I had a a lecturer who I think is, is is Rob Magnuson Smith still there? Yeah, okay, he, I've, this really sticks in my head, he said something on our last ever seminar that really, really um, stuck with me, because I think it's such a brilliant bit of advice, so yeah, I just want to make sure I'm outsourcing this to him, this isn't my quote, it's his, but he said, be disciplined in your aimlessness, and I think that, completely summarizes what it takes to live a creative life and like work in a creative field in that you've got to there are you know you've got to be yeah be disciplined in your aimlessness there are things you've got to commit to and work really hard at but you've sort of got to do that within the context of letting your mind wander and uh trying a million things and spinning lots of plates but just making sure that all of that wandering is done with commitment and purpose which i think you know at first glance look looks like a paradox but i think both have to exist fully in order to to um yeah carve out uh, a path in a creative job so yeah I'm going to outsource the answer to that question with uh, one of Exeter's own so yeah I think be disciplined in your aimlessness is a is a fantastic mantra for anybody wanting to pursue a creative job
0: Fantastic! Thank you so much, Amy. That's a lovely way for us to close. Best of luck with all your future gigs and career endeavors. And yes, yeah, thanks so much again for coming along.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: This was the Career Zone podcast brought to you by the University of Exeter Career Zone. Check out iTunes and Spotify to keep up with all of our regular releases. And if you'd like us to cover something else in another episode, just send us a message. Hashtag podcast at UOE Careers on Twitter or at UOE CareerZone or at UOE Cornwall CareerZone on Instagram and we'll follow up in one of the next episodes.